Hey guys, Dan here. Uh, so it would seem that when we sat down to record this week's episode of the podcast, the Tech Gremlins got into their little mischievous ways all up on our recording. So because of this, the recording isn't quite the quality we like to have here at It's a Mimic. Um, and because of that, I want to extend our apologies to all of you. I've done what I can to make it listenable, um, and I don't want to deprive you guys on any sort of content. So um, here we go. Uh, thank you so much for listening in advance, and I do want to extend a special apology to our guest, DM Brad, um, who we will have back on the show sometime soon, hopefully without the gremlins causing a ruckus. Thanks, guys. All right, so we got a little bit of something different going on today. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Mimic. Uh, we're on episode 30. God, 3-0. Damn, that's 3-0. It has been a freaking long time. We've been doing this for over half a year now. It's been even longer for those of us listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, wait until you have to listen to all the hard edits. Oh, poor Dan. The, the raw coffees are no good. We cut literally seven hours out of every episode. About that, yeah. yeah so uh, today it's a little bit different. We don't have Terry with us. Instead, we have someone new with us today. Uh, sitting in for Terry is Brad, DM Brad. Say hello, Brad. Hello, Brad. So Brad is here with uh, with Dan and I, um, and we're going to run through uh, some campaign ideas and some tips and whatnot. But first, Brad, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's not do a regular cold open. Let's actually get like a proper intro. Let's get to know you, Brad. Who, who's Brad? I Are want you, you to know that I said, Dan, uh, Terry's not going to be here. We need to find a bard. Brad. He said... I know a, I know a bard, but he typed it wrong, and then you showed up. So yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You want to know me like biblically, um, intimately, intimately. Yeah. Uh, I get enough of that in our usual <laughs> cast of characters on this podcast. <laughs> I wonder how PG we're going to stay today. Uh, probably not. So. Pro- well, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. <laughs> if, if this ends up being rated G, we're blaming Terry for dragging us into the gutter. Yes, one hundred percent. I will still get PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So All right. if we're doing PG thirteen, who gets to drop in one and only F bomb? Oh, fuck! That'll be me. Damn it! Well, that's <laughs> it. You guys got it. All right, Brad. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am. I've been friends with Dan for a few years now. Got I'm sorry. In, he got me into Pathfinder. It's his fault that I'm here. <laughs> but that said, I played, what, four sessions, and they were across three different campaigns because we'd only get one or two sessions in, and then they would collapse. And yeah, would show so, up. so you were kind of the guinea pig to my whole, I want, uh, I, I was getting so many people from church and from my life saying, hey, I want to play D&D, and I'm like, guys, I can't run a 27-person table. That's not going to happen. So what I tried to do is, like, I got a bunch of guys from church, which is where I know you from. Yeah. Um, coming to me and be like, so you're actually going to run a game of D&D for us, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll run a game or two, but like, I'm busy. I, I don't really have the ability to commit to a full-time campaign. So what I'll do is I'll find one of you in the first couple sessions, that's the keener, and I will kind of groom you and, and encourage you to take over the mantle as being a DM. And Although Brad was the keener? Brad was the keener. That would be me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brad was the one who showed up. I got new dice, guys. And look, I've already got a character miniature, and I bought all the books. And also, I have a vinyl map. And oh, look, here's my crayons. Oh, and sorry. I brought the booze. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you're... Did you you're... say crayons? Yeah, the, like, crayon, Crayola the markers. Crayola markers. markers for the oh, oh, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. The wet erase. Yeah, yeah, the crayons. I, I was thinking crayons. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm ready for Dangerous and Dragons. Yay! <laughs> uh, still, I'm actually trying to figure out a way to play a game with... Nobody cares about you. Brad, how are you? Who are you? Tell us everything. Yeah, so Dan got me into it. I have DM'd 
what, four sessions in my entire life? No, you did more than that. You did a little bit back. I did a little bit of the Pathfinder campaign, yeah. but then I traveled to work and that just died. And then we got into D&D, what, a year ago we started that clear-cut campaign? A year ago we, we started, the clear, the That's me. started the clear-cut campaign, and then, and then Dan um, so kindly gave it to me. Uh, Dan got way too busy with real life, and, and was this like, podcast, it's your fault. Yeah, it is your guys' fault that he's DMing, so uh, feel proud, I guess? I guess, yeah. Call uh, what you want. But, uh, so, you're relatively new, and we the, the idea of the DMing, but not the D&D. Yeah, but not to fit that. You played the campaign for like a year. Right? A year, but even that was what once a month. We got maybe ten. Oh, eight or ten three, sessions in. three or four weeks. Once yeah. every three or four weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we got maybe eight or ten sessions before Dan had to back out. And, and that was a that was a big campaign. There were a lot of people sitting around that table. There were seven players, I think. Yeah, if, if everyone if made it up, if everyone made it up, there were eight players. Which was an additional challenge because. What we maybe had three or four people show up a week, so you had people yeah. in and out of that campaign. Well, every week. Uh, yeah, and like. I would have three people who could make it for the weekdays, but couldn't make the weekends. And then I would have four people who could make it for the weekends, but couldn't make it for the weekdays. Yeah. And so you got to see Dan DMing for like three hours at a time, and for seven people, it would be rapid fire. And oh, yeah. Insanity. Yeah. And it was the weirdest experience. And for those of you that have paid any attention at all to any of our kind of personal bullshit during the podcast, Brad was the one that sat down with Dan and I. We actually have our own separate Facebook chat called uh, Secret... Order, order of kerfuckery. Oh, right. there's a second one. We're not PG-13 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you can bleep that one out. <laughs> um, and uh, that's too much work. <laughs> and Brad, Brad helped uh, Dan and I come up with the uh, murder of some of the other PCs. Yeah, and we yeah, all worked together to conspire against everyone. Sorry, clear cut. I definitely. You guys keep throwing me under the bus, saying, "Oh yeah, this was all Dan's idea." And I'm like, "You sons of bitches." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, what uh, what what's your favorite class? What's your favorite race? Favorite race, I'll start with, because that's an easy one, dwarf. 100% dwarf. Why? I love the short people. I love the mining. I love the gruffness. They remind me of you. Aw, thank you. And I just love them. Yeah, um, you're pretty little as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you called me pretty, and then I tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, love a dwarf. Uh, class, that's a tough one. Love I, a dwarf is going to be the name of my sex too. <laughs> part of a series. Yeah. <laughs> What comes after that? What's the next one? <laughs> love a halfling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before I get too far, I love a gnome. There you go. Ooh, getting smaller and smaller. Love a pixie. Uh, class. Let's get back on the rails. Yeah. Uh, huh? Huh? Uh, class, probably, it's a toss-up. I love my uh, holy classes. I love my paladins. I love my clerics. Why? I love the fact that they have someone to answer to. Well, warlocks have someone to answer to. Druids and racers also have They absolutely do. Right? But I also... I'm a big fan of heavy armor and a shield. I want a hammer, I want a shield, and I want to stand tough in the center You're of battle. You're a big fan of, a, of the, like, the Holy Knight. Yes. Like, the Knight Templar. The, Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I want to be able to take a hit, keep on going, and wield a big hammer. Yeah, you, you like playing the tank characters. You're not you're not so interested in the you know Masters of Arcane Secrets or, or anything else like that. You just want to be the guy who stands at the front, offers a gruff quip, and yeah. then smash his face with a... Yeah, I also like to be a bit, right? I also like to be a bit of a face of the party too. You I do. like to be able to, especially the group we play with. I mean, you know them now that you've played with us. There's a lot of quiet people around the table. Yeah, on the table. Uh, so you need somebody who's going to take some action, take charge, and so that was that's been a real struggle for me with this group is to yeah. step back and not be the voice at the table, yeah. right? So, 
especially coming in, I was the one of the most experienced when Dan was DMing. Yeah. Well, we definitely all looked at you and like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Let's look at him. And I had to just sit there and just, okay, stop, stop co-DMing Adam. Um, so Dan, I did the help. Uh, what is You're your, not wrong. What, what's your favorite spell? Favorite spell? Ooh. I'm trying to hit all of the meet the DMs. Meet the DMs. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's good. Uh, favorite spell is probably Thaumaturgy. Nice. Cantrip. Yeah, yeah. But there's so much you can do with it. It's so versatile and it really, its limit is what your creativity is. I always love having Thaumaturgy in one hand and press digitation in yep. the other. Right? You can just accomplish so much. You're just a bard now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, what's your favorite monster? Favorite monster? Displacer Beasts. I do enjoy this laser beast, but actually I am in love right now and I'm trying to find a way to throw an intellect devourer at the party. Because uh, it's just plain scary. It. it is so frightening. And the players won't know what to do, with, especially the group we've got. They yeah. only, they'll just see this and be like, oh yeah, I'll just hit it with a I'm going to warn you right now, those things, as I've learned, yeah. are when, when I, I would 100% throw them. one and I would be very cagey with it with this group because I don't think they would know what well, to do. Their strength is they just get exponentially more dangerous with each one you add yeah. to the group. Like, if you fail a save and you have to divide your attention in any way, shape, or form, yeah. someone's dying. Oh, absolutely. That's just straight up what it is. I'll tell you, have to, I think first time anybody sees one, that you have to see one. Yeah, because I, I don't think you'll know what to do with it, and by the time you figure out what to do with it, if you have more than one, it's too late. I dropped eight of them on a group of five experienced or four experienced players, and uh, and an NPC, and I think we lost three. Yeah, we lost Jeez. the NPC and two players. Yeah, I can see that um, in three rounds. It yeah. was just they're they're mad for such a low CR too. Well, that was such a great choice. Yeah, I, 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 I spent a long time making uh, the that was when I made the grung right. That was the grung that died there. Uh, that was a growing NPC. So who were you? Were you an Eric Cochran? Oh yeah, I was the Eric Cochran in that one. Yeah. 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 So, um, and uh, last one was, what's your favorite trope about D&D? Favorite trope? Ooh. I think it's the party meeting in the tavern. I like it. Well, okay, why? Uh, because mostly it brings me back to Lord of the Rings. Love Lord of the Rings. Love that opening scene in the Prancing Pony. Yeah, the, no, after everybody coming, coming together. together yeah. Everyone. You, you did the big hand move and everybody coming together? Yeah. It's an audio medium, right? It is an audio medium. <laughs> you guys can see me. You know what I mean. Um, all right. So, uh, everybody, this is Brad. Hi, Brad. Uh, everybody say hello to Brad. We'll wait. Okay. And now that that's done, I yeah, I could tell you right now that I know three people that did it and everybody else is just silent. I was just yeah, yeah. who actually did it. Oh, no, no. There's, 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 I, I could name probably three people who did something more than just say, hi, Brad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Rackham probably as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, before we get uh, any further into this conversation, uh, let's roll the music because I want to talk about um, uh, campaigns and, uh, and different kinds of campaigns this time around. Okay, sounds good. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. All right, so uh, we're back. So this is... Uh, uh, episode 30, Campaigning for Success. I think this is our third Dungeon Mastery episode. Something like that, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm DM Adam. Uh, you guys should know me by now. With me, of course, as always, is DM... Dan. Dan. Yeah. And uh, instead of Terry, we have uh, DM Brad, which we just spoke about. You're welcome. Um, and uh, half the people just turned it off because they only show up for Terry's charisma. It's and the other true. half are so relieved. And I'm not going to fill that charisma. Sorry for those of you. you might as well <laughs> it, you know, I am not Terry. I do not want to be. 
Uh, nobody wants to be Terry. That's it Terry looks, doesn't want to be it, Terry. It looks itchy, frankly. It does. There's, there's an itchiness. There's, there's a lot of grooming involved, and I just don't have the time for that. Like just wax. Yeah. So much wax. Board wax. Oh, the, body wax. Body wax. Hair yeah. wax. Yeah. How do you get those body lights to leave you alone, right? If oh, well, yeah. And spray tan. Because <laughs> that happens too. I think that he spray tans, but only underneath his clothes to, to like fill in from his natural tan. So he just walks in with a tank top on. Yeah. It's also how he dies and gets all these orange tank tops that he has. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're listening to this, you bastard. So um, let's talk today about uh, D&D. There are different kinds of campaigns, and pretty much everything falls into one of three categories, really one of four. We'll talk about one-shots a little bit at the end because they're their own unique beast. Yep. But before we jump into uh, any of them, I want to focus on one at a time, okay? So just really quickly, it's railroads, sandboxes, and it's fun houses. Uh, we've spoken about these in the past. There are other ways to do things. But if you're doing a pirate campaign, it is going to be railroad, sandbox, or fun house. Most campaigns are some sort of amalgamation of the three to one degree or another. Um, but I want to start off with railroad. So guys, setting aside the idea of a fun house campaign or dungeon, setting aside the idea of a sandbox campaign, let's just focus on railroads. So uh, railroad is, for those of you at home that don't know this, and Brad, a railroad is uh, a very linear storyline where while the players have agency in the moment, they don't really have agency over the storyline. They know that they have to get from point A to point B and they're not allowed to just turn left and walk into the woods. There's no derailing the campaign, which is where the railroad comes from, yeah. right? So um, there's no derailing allowed, and even if they do try to derail it, the DM is going to either overtly or subtly put them right back on track to where they're going, because this is a story that we are telling, and we've all worked on it together. Yeah. A lot of the actual campaign modules themselves and the adventure modules, those are railroads. They outline, once you are done here, you have to go here. Yeah. Now there's some give or take on a lot of it, uh, and Fifth Edition really brought in a, like a lot of the published modules for Fifth Edition are fairly sandboxy, right? Like they've 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 taken the tracks off of off the as the new DM coming in, like looking at them, I'm like, oh, perfect, I can start with a module that'll give me a nice place yeah, to go. They're and no, they're not, I, like I would recommend is. if if you are a new DM and you're starting off, you need to run a module for sure. But you should really run one of the small ones. Well, not necessarily one of the small ones, but like run one from three point five or run one from fourth. And, I've got, and I've do got some an conversions over. It, it, right? it, no, if you're new, don't do conversions. What yeah. you're what you're looking for is something that's already been converted for you. Yeah. And so I'm going to point you towards Tales of the Yawning Portal yeah, and Ghosts no. of Saltmarsh. Yeah, that was right? going to be the suggestion. Right? Um, uh, the other ones that I find are pretty um, railroady as well, uh, with the exception of a couple of places. Storm King's Thunder is. And so is uh, let's see what I'm looking for. Mad Mage for sure. Is it? I, I know nothing about the Waterdeep ones, um, but uh, the Horde of the Dragon Queen. Horde of the Dragon. Is, yeah. And Lost Minds of Fandolver. I mean, pick up the well, starter yeah, set, starter. Right? yeah, for sure. So these are as much as you do have your own agency and you can make the choices in the scenario. The scenarios are predetermined. Yeah. It's 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 narrative storytelling uh, on rails, right? Yeah. That's that's what it is. Like. Yeah. Trains don't just get off the tracks and move off. So. so I got a bunch of questions about it, and we're going to all take turns talking, so let's roll initiative on this. Um, I brought my fancy metal dice. I hope it clacks next door. It'll be super yeah. loud. All right. Yeah, the first line for me. Oh, mine was so much easier. 16. So uh, new guy gets to go first. Uh -oh. yeah, uh, I rolled up. 
All right, new guy. What's your insights, new guy? <laughs> new guy. So the, hold on. Let me, let me tell you. Yeah, very, very first thing, the very first thing that I want to know. So we're going to go Brad, Dan, Adam. Yeah. Uh, uh, and when I'm done talking, I'll ask the next question, and then we'll just go through this a yeah. few times. Sounds good. Um, so first of all, why should people railroad in general? Players, why and NDMs in general? What is the best thing about railroading? What is yeah. the number one point, Brad? All right. So what I've found, and we have a group that meets not regularly. We're not a weekly group. We're maybe. We hope to get together once a month, every three to four weeks. It doesn't even work out. We miss one once in a while to try and get through a story arc in any, especially in a sandbox with a group that meets that arc. That rarely, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to get stuck. You're going to end up chasing some NPC through the woods and completely miss the story. And by the time you actually get back to the story, it's been four months. Where were we? Yeah. Um, so for a group that meets infrequently, especially new players, I think putting them on a railroad isn't a bad idea. Or players, if you've got a lot of players with analysis paralysis. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, too. Yeah. Um, I feel like railroads, they allow you to be subtle. If you get subtle yeah. in a sandbox, so just uh, to expand on what you were yeah. saying, you get uh, if you get subtle in, in any other form, they can get lost. But on that's a railroad, you can be subtle and you can hail back to... Now, remember, three taverns ago, you saw this guy here that did this. You were very much railroading. You or, or if your players go off the railroad, it's real easy to direct them put them right back without them noticing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just be like, yeah, no, we totally did this thing yeah. three weeks ago. Or, you know, you went left down the path instead of right. Well, guess what? They both go to the same place. Exactly. Yeah. So, Dan, what's, in your um, opinion, what's the best part? Honestly, it's it's people should... <coughs> God damn it. On my, God damn. On my turn, so I didn't interrupt that. Ah, oh, Terry. Um, Terry just shivered. He doesn't know why. Yeah. Uh, I, I prefer... Or I want people to use railroads. Uh, it, if you really want to control the narrative, like if you have a specific story you want to tell, um, you want to run an, uh, a railroad campaign or write a book or, or write a book. <laughs> but like if, if you want people to have like that minor uh, influence into the camp into the narrative of it as a DM, you want people to have some influence to keep things interesting for you. Um, run a railroad, right? But uh, I would say that's true for players too. I mean, if you want to, if you want to play this one specific character that you've been really excited about and whatnot, and you, you know the DM is writing this kind of campaign. You're working together, and your character will fit that nicely. It's good to have that railroad in there, yeah. so you're not getting just accidentally murdered by a fucking cactus, right? And and if you're running, like if your DM is comes to you guys in your session zero and says, "Hey guys, I'm I want to run one. It's a little railroady, but I want to run an undead campaign." Don't make your like um, uh, red dragon disciple uh, sorcerer character with no focus on undead on that campaign, right? Like, yeah, you, uh, you can you can really gear uh, towards. You want to gear towards whatever the uh, railroad is, and I'll talk about that. Later. Let's everybody look yeah. at Curse of Straw to narrow our eyes. And, yeah, right. Um, it, it, that's exactly a good case. Like, you're not going to be. You will have a cleric or a paladin of some way, shape, or form in any Curse of Strahd campaign. Which was, I mean, just as a perfect example for this. And I mean, Curse of Strahd is as least railroady as it gets. I mean, you're trapped inside the realm, but no Curse of Strahd campaign runs the same no. as any others, mm. right? And you can pretty much do whatever you want in there um, with a couple of just highlights, points that you're definitely going to hit. But um, the. The thing about it is I started playing in a, in a campaign with a barbarian, a monk, a fighter, a wizard, and a ranger in Curse of Strahd. And then to that, what character... Was a wizard a necromancer? No. 
<laughs> no, the wizard was kind of pyro a little bit of acid stuff. And I, I know, Adam, what do you want to play? Well, I guess I'll be a fucking cleric, right? Like yeah. uh, we need something, right? And then and then we ended up swapping out a character and got another fighter. So like it's there are definitely when you are railroading, there's definitely a clear path to go down. My the thing that I say about railroading, um, one of the best boons about it is. Uh, it's very easy to balance. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to worry so much about crazy items popping up yeah. and balancing anything. You don't have to worry about uh, min-maxing. If, if I'm going to be railroading uh, in a campaign from a player or a DM perspective, I, I'm more likely to go in a up a single class tree because I'm not going to get like blindsided so by... Yeah. yeah, a lot of times when I'm multi-classing, it's because I need to be ready for anything that's coming. Right. I don't feel that way. I will, in a railroad campaign, I'll play a barbarian, right? As opposed to, while well, I'll play a bard slash rogue slash warlock, so I'm ready for anything, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not a barbarian kind of guy, but I would check that out, right, for a little bit. So that's, uh, that's why I would say if, if you want to explore a single class, you want to go... I mean, the other good thing about a railroad is railroads tend to be shorter campaigns, right? You can railroad between level 3 and level 8. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of railroads between one and twenty. You, tend to, you can't plan that far. No, well, I mean, you maybe can, you but. can. Let's be honest. But I mean, I think it's very difficult to yeah. plan that far. It gets boring too. I'd imagine. Same story. Same arc. Uh, well, it it depends, but uh, it it depends on kind of how often you're playing, right, and what your leveling system is, and how invested yeah. people are. Keep in mind too that if you're doing a railroad campaign one to twenty, and you're hinging on players and you know, a couple of your players moved to goddamn Australia. You that you pointed glance, <laughs> yeah, at Australia it was always specific. Um, then, it's happened, yeah. Then it's twice. Uh, I mean, at the same time, but yeah, yeah, twice. Yeah, both of them went together. But um, no, that really pissed me off, right? So, I mean, congratulations for them, and I'm happy for them, and they're my friends, and it was fun. But all of a sudden, there was a monkey wrench thrown in the middle of it, right? Yeah. So. Um, and it was pretty railroaded campaign. On the so, right side, it got me in the campaign. That is, some some lights are should not be looked at though, Dan. <laughs> um, so they shine too brightly. Um, exactly. I like him. He could stay. You're out, Terry. <laughs> Can I be out? <laughs> um, all right. So my next question, same order. What are the pros and cons for DMs? So one pro and one con of a railroad campaign. Uh, so pro, you kind of touched on it. I had one. Uh, the counterbalance. Right? It's, yeah. it's built in. It's there. You know what the player's going to hit at what level. It's kind of... Okay. When you DM, i got to ask, when you DM, do you hand out experience, or do you just go by milestones? Or what do you use for your leveling system? I go with milestones based on experience, if that makes sense. So I kind of use the experience as kind of a guideline of when it should be there, but I'm not counting point by point. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So like they, they fight four Displacer Beasts, and it's a party of six, and you're like, they should have about a thousand experience each on this fight. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too focused on making sure I count each point. Cool. And I mean, you can throw, especially with the group we've got, you can end up in a lot of, you can get a lot of encounters that are in the way of your main plot points. So if they level up too quickly before, especially in a railroad, right? If they level up on experience before they hit that plot point, you don't want them to out-level your big bad. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. What's a con for the DM? Con for the DM. Uh, it can be really hard to keep players on rails. I mean, there's a lot you can do behind the scenes, of course, to try and put them back on, but 
I mean, players are players. Yeah. I, I'm going to suggest a cattle prod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a taser, but um, <laughs> a little lighter. The, the, the nature of players being players is they will sense that they are on a railroad and will seek out ways to derail it. Right? Like yeah. it, it, and they might not even intentionally do it. They just will because they're players. There are some players out there though that'll be like, "Oh, you have me on a railroad, huh?" Well, well let screw me you. I'm going to go burn down this key forest. I'm going to go pull the train, the brake train, and yeah. decouple oh, the car. We're supposed to be saving the Feywild. Let me drop some napalm in there. Exactly, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, Dan? Um, you're, for DM, I mean, the big thing is control. You have you have a lot of and control. If you don't have enough control, we have some furniture that you can buy to keep up. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, tie your players down. Uh, the, the clamps and leather and chains and stuff. Oh, we're uh, not good at this without Terry. Terry, we need you back so we can make bonds. I know nothing about this topic. <laughs> Neither do I, which is why they keep bringing it up. Anyways, uh, you have a lot of control as a DM in a railroad. Uh, you have, uh, you are the one who's saying where the story is going. So if you want to focus on one character's backstory for this small arc, you can focus on this one character's backstory for this small arc, and the party's coming for the ride. Right? Doesn't mean that it's boring. It just means that this is where your next... You know where you're putting the spotlight. Yeah, right? this is where your next beat is, right? This is where you're going to put the spotlight. And you know in five sessions, and I know you and I have kind of... Uh, you and I, Adam, have, have planned sessions in this way, where you go, well, in around 10 to 12 sessions, they will be done this arc, and they can continue this arc, right? Because I will give them this item in or this lure in episode in yeah, session we're, nine. We're, we're juggling 19 20 different storylines at any given time yeah and we know roughly we should be done this one in the first half of tier three this one within the next couple of sessions exactly yeah. we kind of so the railroad really helps for that where and i'm gonna go with you on this one um players can grow complacent if they know they are on a railroad where they don't have input right is that your con that's yeah. my con yeah uh it, it breeds complacency in players. As much as some players will actively seek to derail the train, some players will just like go along for the ride and like, oh, that, well, I've got no agency anyway. Well, why, no agency, why bother? Why right? chasing so uh, during role playing encounters, they are like, well, the outcome of this role play encounter is already determined, so I'm just going to sit back and I'll grunt occasionally, I guess, and um, maybe I'll just tell the DM that I want to roll a persuasion check. And when he asks me what I actually say, I'll just, uh, persuasion so, check. So, okay, so, so I want to bring this up. Just to be totally clear. All right, there are two different levels of agency um, that we're talking about here. One is the broad strokes, and one is the almost in an, in the encounter. Yeah, some right? people can't tell the difference. Some right? people can't, and it's a real big issue for yeah. especially new people. New players. Um, okay. Where they don't realize that um, just because you're doing a railroad campaign yeah. doesn't mean that you uh, aren't allowed... Uh, you can still talk in any given scenario. You're not the bard, yeah. so you're sitting back letting the bard talk. But be the talking barbarian. Be yeah. the talking rogue. Yeah, like, no reason you can't. Yeah, there's no reason whatsoever that you can't do that. So just just go balls to the wall. But when it comes time to one of these really big moments that we need to have a decision made, or there needs to be, um, guys, it's not left or right in the hallway. It's north or south on the map. Yes. Right? When you yeah. zoom out and you see more of the broad strokes, that's um, where we are talking about today, but the campaigns, the broad strokes. Mm -hmm. Everyone should always have as much agency as possible in the moment. Especially over their character-specific choices. Absolutely. But we're talking about when a DM railroads by, um, by, uh, by taking the entire 
what's the word I'm looking for? The, the entire plot line, I guess, yeah. or the or the tone <clears throat> or the theme, and saying this is what we're doing. Here is my dungeon. For example, here is my dungeon. You guys have to get to the end of the dungeon. I don't care what order you go through the rooms. I don't care how you get through them. You can fight. You can stealth. You can go invisible and waltz your way through. Right? You can grab decoys, set traps, or whatever. That's the player's agency in the moment. Right? But you can't just be like, I'm going to teleport to the plane of fire and get the fuck out. Right? Like, that's derailing a railroad campaign. Yeah. So that's... And I, I mean, wanted to be clear some, about that. some DMs will also railroad to a different extent as well, like to a varying extent on that grid as well, where they will have a DM uh, actually put clues in like a numerical order in their dungeon through. And then if the players make a decision to go a different way, all of a sudden that DM has lost track of everything that's going on because they need, a, they need clue one to make sure everything fits, right? But would that so, DM give them the option to even go a different direction? Um, if you went left, you still end up in the same, I, I, again, the same clue. Again, no, players are players. Yeah, no yeah. plans so survives contact with the enemy, right? right. So, so. Um, all right. Uh, for me, for my pros and cons, uh, my big pro for DMs to do railroading is you get to control the minutiae. You know ahead of time, and you can plot it out six weeks in advance. I know that this is going to be this. I can drop little hints and pieces, bits and pieces about goblinoids early, 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 and then maybe you'll see a couple of goblins in the distance, right? And then you'll see a dead bugbear, and then and I'm going on this goblin campaign, and I'm going to slowly drop them in and get really like immersive that way. We can really get into the details and the nitty gritty, and I can slow roll, and I can I can have a slow burn for this. Railroads are great for that. However, you're going to lose your random encounters. And here's my con, mm -hmm. right? Just as, as like you were saying about yeah. the um, the balance issues. I myself, I don't run experience based anything. I say, I don't know, man. You guys have accomplished this and this and this. These are all big factors. You deserve a level, absolutely, right? <clears throat> if they have ass backwards tripped in, into saving the kingdom, they don't deserve a level for that nonsense. Right? One of them accidentally blew up the rest of the party and a dragon. Well, you murdered half of the party while you did it. You're not getting a level for that shit. And that's how I roll. Yeah. That's a lot of XP to kill your whole party and a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, well, see, I miss negative experience points from, from earlier editions. Mm. So because I can't reward negative experience, I don't bother with <coughs> Damn. Yeah, um, so maybe it's the Stevia drinks. No. It's not? No. Because they dry me out, man. No, it's not the Stevia drinks. What are you drinking? The it's a Stevia ginger ale. Yeah, oh, God, I love that. You just like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> no, the no. Ginger? They, you, you got ginger in the beer. Uh, no, uh, it's, it's what not, are you trying to say? <laughs> he said it. I'm just pointing. Um, so the... No, my, my big problem is that you don't get your, your random encounters at this this point. Yeah. If I'm on a railroad campaign and we're doing dragons, I can't take two sessions out to go play with Beholders because I found a really cool build online to do something else. Mm. So you get really trapped inside your own railroad as a DM. And I find that for myself, I start to get bored with that. And now I'm adding, oh, it's not just goblins. It's, it's goblins that are made of fire, and it's goblins that are... The size of, of giants, and there are goblins that... Right? They're kobolds made of ash, thank you very much. We've already talked about that on podcast. <laughs> so, but what, whatever it is, when you start to get bored with your own content, if the DM gets bored, the players will get bored. Exactly. And 100%. then it all, it all spirals out of control. So um, I really like the idea of getting lost in the minutia. And you guys always say, Adam, how do you get this and this? And you have all these details. 
No, man, I get lost in the details because it's fun and it keeps me interested. But at such a level, if I'm dealing with the politics, then I'm not dealing with the, how come there's no acid giants? There should be acid giants, right? And I will totally do that, just on a whim, if I'm not doing a railroad. Mm. Dan's like, why aren't there acid giants? I can see it in his eyes. It's not like, kind of trolls? I'm picturing giants tripping on acid. <laughs> a bunch of hill giants that accidentally yeah. stumbled into a Mykonid colony and yeah. just like just tripping balls. I'm <laughs> just picture one like petting a dire wolf. Bunny! <laughs> over and over again. Hey, clear cut, did you hear that? <laughs> um, so I can see all the sound. <laughs> Alright, Brad. Pros and cons for players now. Uh, pros and cons for players. Uh, for players. You might actually get to the BBEG if you're not meeting regularly. You might actually get to your objective <laughs> if you're railroaded. Um, you might actually get to feel like you've accomplished something rather than fight a bunch of random monsters on a path that meant nothing. Yeah. Uh, so it makes you feel like you're part of something. Cons. Uh, I mentioned players with uh, with uh, analysis paralysis, right? Those sorts of players can get... Uh, I guess kind of the players who don't have that, right? When you got those players in the party, players who are not railroaded would get totally lost. Yeah. So I guess that's more of a pro than a con, right? Those, yeah, I got an extra <laughs> turn around. Um, but yeah, like so, so those ones, those ones that that want to make more choices, but they're, right, the they're not able to. Yeah. yeah, they don't really get to explore their own story. Yeah. It, that, and I would say that that's most experienced players. Yeah. I'd also say that's players that don't trust their DM to get there eventually. Hmm. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of that out there. I mean, if you have a history as a DM of you know making it eight sessions and then giving up, like I have had in the past, um, shut up. Uh, it, it's your players eventually will just be like, yeah, Dan's just flaking out on us here, and mostly it's because well, that's because there's seven of you, right? Like it's 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 hard to um, keep it going as a DM for a bunch of players who eventually just give up on you, whereas uh, uh, with a railroad, because, that helps. Yeah, that, right? that helps, because you're uh, you're able to, ho to hone in and focus on them. Exactly, uh, right? Like a player can They have, know that they're going somewhere. Yeah, and, and, and this is this is my point, like, you have confidence in your DM where you're going in a railroad campaign, right? Like, yes. you have you know you're in the right spot no matter where you are in that given moment. Now, um... What are your pros and cons for players then, Dan? Well, the, 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 my, one of my big pros is you have the confidence that you're in the right spot no matter where you are. Um, there is a uh, tendency, however, to, and this is the con, where you feel like you are a character in the story, but you're not a main character in the story. Oh, when, when the mm. DM has his own DMPCs or, or, or something yeah. like that, like uh, you are clearly, you are clearly, clearly a footnote in the campaign. Um, or, or you feel like a footnote in a campaign. Tell me if this is a little bit life meta, but everybody feels like they're the main character in the campaign right? and in their life. You're I, not a main character. Even the main characters are not the main characters in the story of the world. Let's be completely honest. We all play Dungeons & Dragons to feel like heroes and to create a heroic story of some way, shape, or form. Right? I'm in it for the boobs. You're in it for the boobs. You're around a table. And boobs? Oh, yeah, I'm not picky. I'm not picky. Yeah. Um, but... You can buy me a mirror and I'd be happy. 
When, but when you come to a, uh, I'm just soldiering on it. Uh, when you come to a railroad campaign, you feel like a a footnote. You feel like a, you can feel like a footnote. You can feel like you're not the main character, and you don't really get an opportunity for a lot of side quests to go and do that, right? Well, I think that comes down to your DM, too. If you sat down with your session zero and you talked about what you want and, and you've all worked together to build the characters and you've given your DM the backstory and he sits down and says, you know what, I've agreed to do a big undead thing, give me your backstory, and he sits there and he looks at your two-page or three-page or one sentence, like whatever it is, he, should mean he or she needs to ask the appropriate questions. And then be creative enough to tie your backstory in so there's payoff with it. It's not so much that there are some adventurers on a quest. It's why are these adventurers on the on this quest? Yeah. Why is this the story we're bothering to tell? Now, wouldn't a sandbox almost make you feel... Like, let's say you're running a bunch of fetch quests. Yeah. Right? That's going to make you feel less like the hero of the story and more like the errand boy, no? Would a, would a rails every, not feel you, make you feel more heroic? Well, it depends because a lot of the, a lot of railroads that I've seen are, first, we need this item, and then we mm. need this item, and, and that's just fetch quests too, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. it depends. I would say that... Um, I mean, okay, I'm going to ask you outright, Dan. We play in a campaign. I mean, Brad, there's the giant freaking map on the wall, right? We play in a campaign where you can go to any city at any time, but there were seven items that you needed to get. Yeah. You only level when you get one of these items. You need these seven to move on to the next part of the campaign. Yeah. But you can do anything at any point. Was that sandbox or railroad? Oh, I felt sandboxy. Okay, but why? Because there's your fetch, your fetch quests. But why? Um, it was because you kept us going. Uh, you had like six or seven different main plot lines going on in the world. And whatever one we decided to interject with at any given point, we were then you know key players in that thing. But at any point in time, we could switch and go to a different one, right? And and it, it I guess it was kind of it was it was a it was both. Uh, in a way, right? Like, because well, every campaign if, is both. In if, a way. Yeah. if if we hopped on the rails, we were on the rails until we got off on the next stop, right? But you can so pick like, which rails you got onto. Exactly. Like we had an entire story arc where uh, my character Lachlan was saving his daughter. We've hopped off those rails now, uh, for the most part, and now we are going back towards getting these rod pieces, which is what we were searching out, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't played in like two months that campaign because we're taking a high it was five so, weeks but you know you're you're with really so. yeah Rick. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 been um it's fairly sandboxy and i and we'll get to this when we talk about sandbox campaigns um i am i suffer from analysis paralysis hard and I'm playing a character who's the smart one in the party, who's the strate uh, the strategist, the analytical, the tactical one. So it's perfect. And, and, well, no, it's actually too much because Adam's like, well, here's a problem, and here's a problem, and here's a problem, and here's a problem, and here's a problem. You have to figure out which one, and you can't decide which on one. one. Which one is the most important? And I have to... All important. And I'm like, well, let's see. That's Demogorgon, and that's the uh, Cult of the Antigod, and that is the... Um, that is the avatar of the anti-god, and there's the cult of death, and there's the uh, harbinger of death, and oh, here's this evil vampire lord over here killing thousands of people. And none of that was your backstory, which spun out in three different directions as well. Exactly, right? So, like, it, 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 it was... So, and then I was sitting there going, where should we go next, guys? So, so huh? here, here's my thing for, for players. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to railroad us back on to on the topic, because we got into sandbox for a minute, but... The, the pros uh, for players for me is 
if you have a DM that you can trust, and I know that's a big if, and you're not going to get that in your local comic book store the first time you sit down with somebody, I would say it probably takes... It's uh, like any relationship. You're building trust over time. Yeah, and I was going to say six or eight sessions, but honestly, I run six or eight. Uh, my sessions are 10 hours long, right? So I would mm -hmm. say you're putting in 60, 50, 60 hours before you truly trust that your DM has your best interests at heart. You've seen him or her pull back enough from their own wants and needs to give you your wants and yeah. needs. You've seen that enough that you can truly trust them. And if you can do that, that is the most rewarding thing to go on their adventure, if you trust them. Yeah. We inherently get into a social contract with the with Wizards of the Coast when they say, here's a new module, right? Here's a new adventure. And we say, oh, thank you. We're going on this trip that you have designed. Yeah. The only difference between homebrew and and the published material is just that those they're nerds, homebrew. yeah, they're those nerds uh, put money into it, <laughs> and that's the difference, right? Yeah. Um, so it's professional homebrew. So so I, I feel like there's a whole lot more um, benefit to the idea of trust between players and DMs. Yeah. Honestly, if that trust is there, railroad is where you're going to feel it the most, where you're going to benefit from it the most. I'd say. Okay. Mm. You don't agree, Dan? You twitched. Uh, uh, I, I don't. Like, if for, and, and we'll get to it after we uh, uh, start talking about sandboxes. But I honestly, I feel sandboxes where you're going to trust your DM the most, uh, whereas a... Uh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, specifically when the, when the evil wizard who has, been, who has been masquerading as your ally for the last, like, six months suddenly turns around stabs the cleric in the throat kills them blows everybody up and knocks you back 500 years into the past and fucks off and that happens on a sandbox campaign no matter how much you trust your dm that's it's yeah, gonna yeah, yeah, yeah but in a railroad yeah, campaign it's yeah. part of the you know there's plot. more to it there's a purpose yeah. to it rather than just a hey i want to yeah so, so there's there's more the trust goes further Right in a railroad campaign, and I would say that the, the con is that honestly, if if you want to experience a little bit of everything in D and D and get the broad strokes, you're not doing that so much on the railroad campaign. You're not well. I'm going to have three different familiars, right? And I'm going to I'm going to hook up with my long lost love from my backstory, and I'm going to reconcile with my parents because I ran away. And one of them, uh, they dropped me off in the orphanage, but it turns out that they did for my own protection. And so, and like you want to hit all of these tropes. And you've got 10,000 things going on. I just want to learn every single spell in the entire game by learning different wizard books. And like, you're never going to, to get all this on a railroad campaign, right? You don't get to, to taste every single flavor of D&D here. Yeah. In a sandbox? Shit, I don't know, maybe. Right? <laughs> you go left, you go right, you might face something different. Yeah, in, in, in a funhouse, good luck. <laughs> right? But uh, but in a railroad, you you know what you're getting into, and it's not going to be quite as open. But that's the nature of it, right? So uh, the last thing I want to talk about real quick, Brad, is what tactics do you use to stay on target as either DM or a player? Which one do you? I find uh, open meta conversation, out of game conversation to say, hey, look, this is where we're going. That's going to drive ninety percent of the people listening utterly up the wall. But I think it's totally valid. If your if your goal is ultimately to stay on the rails and your players are on board with it, to have a little bit of conversation, just to say, hey. You guys are going off the rails. I need you guys to come back. Can you guys just do this? Yeah, have have a conversation with your players like they're actually humans. Who knew? Or else, right? Um, no, I, what I would do, uh, give them a little peek behind the curtain. That's that's okay. Don't let them see everything behind the curtain. Just give them a peek 
Uh, like behind the curtain or behind the kimono? Uh, sure, either way. It depends on the campaign you're running. Um, but you can show them, be like, guys, here's where we're heading. Here's what we're... I'm thinking about throwing your guys' way. Let's let's push towards that. I wouldn't even do that. I mean, no. you end up on this... Okay, I agree with what you're saying. I wouldn't say, here's what you're going to face in the future. I would say, we all agreed on to go this direction. Yeah, we all agreed on this giant campaign. And you guys now want to go play in the Feywild. We agree. I prepped this. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, everything I got is heading this direction. I don't you have anything for the Feywild. No, if you want to play a Feywild campaign, that's fine. Give me three weeks. We'll wrap up this one next week. And I need two weeks of prep to get on that. Yeah. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> but, there you go. Like, But have a better conversation. Remember, yeah. the DM is a player at the table. Yeah. They just have they different roles. They too. Yeah. And so, I, I, I'm with you on that one. I, I don't mind... That, that kind of meta conversation. When it gets into more malleable campaigns and whatnot, mm-hmm. having that, but guys, I thought we were going to do this, doesn't hold as much water, no. does it? No. Especially if you want any element of sandbox, you can't do that. Okay, for me, I would just entice them with rewards. Players are simple minded folk who like their candy. Give them a piece of candy, lead them on the path. <laughs> God damn, damn. Come at me. <laughs> Players are complicated. No, they're not. No, no, they're they're simple. Like you want, you have a fighter who's causing issues. Dangle that plus two longsword in front of them. Be like, ah, it's adamantine, and they will follow you till the ends of the earth. And then you take it away. Oh, and then you break it, right? And they go, but it's adamantine. You're like, but I am the DM. No, or they really are just like bloodthirsty puppies, greedy. Puppies, puppies, like uh, a hobo who wants to commit murder or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but with with, kind of. with their genitals. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That's like a play. All, all of the genital murder. Yeah, no, no, not murder of genitals. Terry, we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone off track again. All right, so, um, so sorry, yeah, the, give them a reward. Entice them to stay on track. Right, like have beats in your uh, storyline that are. This is when you will get a boon. This is when you will get a reward. This is when you will get a title. This is when you get something that you are looking for as a character. And that will keep them uh, intrigued and interested and trusting you to move forward on the railway. Whether it's a weapon, whether it's a title, whether it's uh, some sort of like you gain the ability to cast Conjure Elementals once a long rest. Right? Like uh, something like that. Right. So yeah. uh, okay, that's interesting. I was going to talk about the carrot and the stick. So you kind of covered the first half of that. Yeah, you got the carrot. So yeah, let's let me talk about my stick. So um, the for those of you that aren't aware, the carrot and the stick is about reward or punishment. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and as much as I say, do not punish your players. As much as you are a referee and you are a judge and you can be a jury, you are not the executioner. You should not be out there with a uh, confrontational attitude. Unless you agree to do that in session zero. No, no, see, I, I would say that's absolutely fine in combat. But when you're designing the combat, when you're in a social situation, when you're... when they're you shouldn't just be designing shopping. combat to kill the players. Right, and when they're out shopping, you shouldn't be trying to screw them over. Yeah. I would say design the odd one that can kill a player or two, see if they can get out of it, but give them a fighting chance. The goal should never be a TPK. Like every single... As the goal. And, like, when you get into well, the uh, social side of things, like, every single uh, uh, tavern owner or every single market uh, runner or every single shop owner shouldn't be immediately antagonistic towards the idea of any sort of bartering or anything else like that. If like, they want to go buy a plus people. two longsword and they're tier two, go buy a plus two longsword. Right? I'm not going to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, it's not even available in this city anymore. 
Uh, it hasn't been available in the last seven cities. You don't get it in this one either. Yeah. You're, yeah. Just, you're just being confrontational. You're adversarial. And adversarial DMing doesn't help anybody. No. But I will say for punishment, if you go off the rails, if you do your own thing, then it should be harder to do it. Roads are safe places. If you go 100 feet off the road, you're going to find some wild animals. If you go three miles off the road, you're in wilderness and everything is totally crazy and, and overpowered. I would say that if you are a CR4 party, anything that you run into on the road is between CR3 uh, and CR5. Anything within 100 feet is CR4 to CR6. Anything within three miles this might be a CR14. You're in over your head. Get back to the road. Right? And that's how I feel. That That's how I kind of guide people. You guys were not supposed to go in, in our personal campaign. You were not supposed to go get involved in the local politics of a nearby town and kill someone who was acting as an executioner. You did. You went and you killed uh, Lady Agony. Mm -hmm. You weren't supposed to do that. But because you did... We ended up eventually down the road summoning you know, Demogorgon, onto the summoning Demogorgon onto the plane. So congrats Ooh, on that. Whoops. Yeah, well done. So, Are we the baddies? <laughs> so you guys went off the rails. Shit got harder. Okay, and in our defense, you lost a bunch of NPCs. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, the Irvingdale, no one really cares about. No one. Um, <laughs> free. Uh, but in, in, in our defense, you named her Lady Agony. Yep. What were we supposed to do with that, Adam? Well, all right, if we're going <laughs> to... Like, we're, she was practically wearing a neon sign saying, Hey, players, kill me. No, she was wearing a neon sign that said, I am evil in this moral gray area, suicide squad type. What do you want to do? Do oh, you yeah. not oh, want to... Yeah. yeah. And you guys planned for three sessions on how to sneak in and murder her and her servants. Uh, uh, uh don't... Uh, you murdered servant. Servant. There was only one. You murdered the guards. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, you did. Anyway, so that is how... Hey, in our defense, the one that I remember was the old lady oh. that was sleeping when we killed her. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is my point. You guys shouldn't see the look on Brad's face. We're going to cut to commercial while I tell Dan about why he's wrong at everything. How cool would it be to hear your company name on this podcast? Pretty stinking cool. It's a Mimic is ready to take our show to the next level. We want to partner with other awesome businesses to share your brand with our listeners. Please email us at info at itsamimic.com for advertising information. Okay, so we're back. Let's talk about sandboxes. I mean, we just cut out the last... 45 minutes of me yelling at Dan, telling him why he's wrong. You're hurtful. Um, yeah, and you deserve it. I got to see it firsthand. It's quite something. Yeah, the first three rows will get wet. So, uh, sandboxes. Sandboxes are the opposite of railroads. The idea is that, much like a child sandbox, you can create whatever you want in it. What you bring to the table is your imagination, and the players and the storyline can go in any direction at any given point, and it will never look the same from one day to the next. Right, so it's really by the whim of the players and the DM, depending on how flexible they are. So it is the exact um, opposite of what a railroad is. So guys, let's roll initiative and let's see. All right, I win again. No, yes, I, I do. That's a go to last. I got thirteen. Okay. I got a seventeen. All right, Brad. So why should people play in sandbox campaigns? Well, personally, I don't like sand. It's <laughs> coarse. It's itchy. It gets everywhere. God, get the fuck out! Get another one. 
Not another one. See, this is why we call him. Because he's another freaking prequel fan. Yeah. God. Isn't everybody a prequel fan? Get the fuck out. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna make Adam cry. Do you want to see Adam cry? I haven't seen it. I'm kind of interested. It's ugly. It's a, it's a grown it's ugly guy. It's like the rat. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not kidding. There's there's more snot in this mustache than you're prepared to handle. If any amount would be more than prepared to handle. All right. <laughs> well, then I have some bad news. Well, let's railroad the sandbox conversation. All right. Back to it. Um, why should people play in sandbox? Because I like bikes. Sandbox. <laughs> hey. That's sound line. What? What? And back, back to the rail. Um, you get freedom. You have the opportunity to explore the world. Um, you know, when you are staring at the map of the world and you say, hey, I wonder what's over there in there, and the DM says, doesn't matter if I haven't prepared for it, let's go this way. That's not much fun. Yeah. So being able to pick your direction and have that agency, especially as a player, is a lot of fun. And I think a lot of fun as a DM, too, where you can really flush out your world. Yeah. yeah. Dan? Um, uh, for me, it's to feel like a hero that forges your own path. It's kind of similar. Uh, if you are a player, you want to be able to create a character who um, creates his own story in a way. Like, you are you are the Galahad before Galahad was Galahad. So go and start and become Galahad. Right? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to really enable your players to do that. In whatever realm that is. If you want to be Elminster, you could be Elminster. If you want to be Dritzed, you could be Dritzed. Fuck, and then I can punch you. Let me know if you're Dritzed. I'm going to punch you in the throat. Um, but you could build up your character to be the hero that you want. And I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, uh, with that. Like, if you don't have that, if you don't have anything like that, it could get kind of boring because you're now just along for the ride. Um, whereas a sandbox, you have the freedom to literally go and go your own way. Right. All right. So, so go your own way. You. You're supposed to go last. I was supposed to go next, but I got distracted. Yeah. Well, wait, wait to mess up the order there. Well, it's sandbox. Hey. <laughs> uh, all right. So, it's a mimic. <laughs> um, so my favorite the thing about sandbox. Um, the, the reason that people should play sandboxes are there are over twenty different books out there. There's hundreds of pages of material in each book. And we need to sit there and explore all of them. And you're going to do it slowly, or you can pick and choose as you want. My favorite thing about Ravnica is they've got these ten guilds that you can plop down anywhere in any setting. Sandboxes give you freedom to explore. Yeah. Explore the published materials, and when you are done with the published materials, explore your imagination. When you are done exploring your imagination, listen to this amazing podcast. And when you're done, listen to all 30-some-odd episodes that we have so far. Uh, go back and listen to them again. And a third time. And leave us an iTunes review. And then when you're done all of that, you can move on to other stuff that's been homebrewed online. And then when you're all that, come back to listen to the podcast it's, another time. It, exactly. So or take end, material from other world, other systems, and try and transpose it. Yeah. But, or just listen to the podcast. Yeah. So, um, you're it's not... So, oh, I don't, I'm not invested enough to... to <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Intern David. Intern David. Uh, I thought you fired. Oh, no, no. He's I, not a good-looking dude. He, he really, <laughs> really isn't. No. Oh, can you yeah. hear me? Yeah, it's... The, he looks like Ipecac feels. That's, oh. that's, that's the way I kind of... It's the nipple chains that bother me more than anything else. Uh, it, it's it's it the both vertical and horizontal nipple chains. Like, I, I'm still intrigued to how he managed to There's a wallet on the end of that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, so, uh, Brad, what are the pros and cons for DMs when comparing it to railroads? 
Uh, pro, like I said, kind of in the first bit is you have freedom. You can tell your story and you can really improvise. But con, I'm the clueless game master. Like, I know nothing. I'm brand new to this. Um, and so it's a lot of pressure for somebody who's new to try and... I'm having enough trouble fleshing out, you know, this one little corner of the world. Never mind flushing out what's going on in the city that the players may never see. So you'd say that's it's more a difficult. lot of prep. It's, yeah, it's more difficult for new players. It's really difficult for new players, and it's uh, a lot uh, of legwork. It's it's more difficult for more new DMs. Like, yeah, uh, a, a sandbox is definitely something. If you're a new DM, stay away from a sandbox. Run a railroad first. Right? Yeah, I would say it's a good way to cut your teeth with the railroad, yeah. definitely. And a few times, don't just do one and be like, "Hey, I got it." Right, or you're going to be sitting there at three in the morning making maps. I was going to say, if you got hours of time, I guess even as a new DM, you could probably do it. But if you're time limited, yeah, I, I do want to say you you almost did it, and I want to give you the freedom and full permission to do it. You can plug your Instagram page on this. We do it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He is at the clueless game master. You know, we have a whole portion later in the show. I know. No, never I think mind. We do it multiple times. Sandbox. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so, so, so I still want to talk baseball. Um, <laughs> Tell me, Smalls. <laughs> you and I can sit down and talk baseball stats later. Dan's going to sit there and pick his nose. What's an RBI? Uh, yeah. Um, Ribby. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what's Arby's? And I'm like, dang. So pros and cons uh, uh, for DMs from, uh, from where I'm sitting. The pro is that you really do get to dig into all of the other... Um, the ideas that you've toyed with, you want to have a floating city, but it doesn't fit in your overarching storyline, God knows, these guys may go west and you have nothing planned out there. And because I'm an experienced DM, I go, I don't know, this is fun. I get to react now. You put right? a portal in the mountain where they might never find it. Yeah. And end up. Well, I don't, yeah. even, I, don't, I don't even think that far ahead. If we're going to go pure sandbox campaign, I get to react as a DM and just come up with shit on the fly. Mm. A lot of people think that DMing is prepping ahead of time, and it is, but then when you're in the encounter, all you're doing is reacting to what the players are doing and playing referee. Can you imagine how much fun it could be to just simply react from a campaign standpoint? But, again, I think you have to have the experience to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, the con is that your players will run your world, and you have... I find that I can't make proper NPCs with interesting backstories and cool personalities. Um, I, I can't make 400 of them, all with a separate voice, right? I, I can't do it uh, on a sandbox campaign like that. I'm just going to start hitting, uh, and then this, uh, you walk into a uh, freaking wig shop over here, which I was not expecting, so the guy there is a uh, dwarf. With a uh, toupee. While you're frantically scribbling in your own notes, it's like, okay, there's a wig shop and the store with a toupee and no beard because that's what he's using as a toupee. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so everybody can see me scramble, right? So I'm a big prep guy. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love it, I want the idea to be, or I want the opportunity to react. But I also want to, um, I'm also afraid of the fact they're going to see how freaking unprepared I am. Right? So in the. Railroad, you're talking about the players being able to trust the GM. In the sandbox, it's almost the opposite. The GM needs to be able to trust his players to not go yeah. too wild. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's that could be difficult. Dan, what what are yours? Um, honestly, I, I I like the fact that the players take a lot of that control. I like the fact that with a um, you just strap yourself into a piece of furniture and go along for the ride. Yeah, man. Like, uh, fall gag everything. You just go for it. Uh, ball like, gag is a great name for like an ogre or, or ball <laughs> gag. Ball gag. Ball gag. Yeah, with like three H's. Yeah. Yeah, there's three H's in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Now that you've completely derailed me. He's, uh, he's into the into the of pleasure. Or God of Pleasure's name's Bogog. Yeah. <laughs> praise be to Bogog. Um, no, if you're praise be, it sounds like... Um, <laughs> oh, welcome to the podcast, Brad. Um, so, listeners, you're welcome. Terry's not here. Who knows where that one again? So, a lot different. Uh, so, because players take a lot of the control, you have that opportunity to feel that uh, surprise as a as a DM. Um, I really like that. But the other side is, and this is something against uh, that I find I don't like about sandboxes, is if you're going to run a well-built sandbox, you have to do a lot of four prep, right? And it's not so much. It's not a lot. I'm moving on. Uh, a lot <laughs> four skin. <laughs> No? <laughs> Reskinning and forethought. That's what we're Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 I got, got there. there. I got there. There you go. Uh, rethought? No, anyways. Um, <laughs> so what you do is... Uh, often I find... I was trying to do a thing. <laughs> <laughs> does it feel like he's here? <laughs> it does. <laughs> Maybe it's you. Maybe it is me. Continue. Uh, I find with uh, most campaigns that I get involved in, it's 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 a little impromptu. Like the DM has at tops two weeks to do the prep before the players are going. So you've got to cram as much prep as you can in those two weeks. If you're if you're running a homebrew world, that's all I do. That's, that's your that's your world prep, right? Um, and and then you're kind of winging it from there, and that's we we, we have an episode about prep, right? We about do. How did that go from top down or bottom up, right? Yeah. And so there's there's some hints there for those of you that are struggling with that. Go back and listen to our prep episode. I don't remember. I don't remember off the top of my head which one it is. No. But um, anyway. But uh, so you have a lot of fore prep to do, and you often don't have the time to do it before the campaign starts. So it just becomes a thing where you're constantly reacting to, and you can't get your feet out from under you with uh, a sandbox campaign because. As soon as you feel like you've kind of got a grasp on where they're going and, and what you could build around to make the story more intriguing and, and uh, fill in the world a little bit, they they take a U-turn and you're like, well, crap, now you're over here, right? And all that all that kind of scrambling you've done is now pointless. I, th- I think it's difference between someone who, who scripts or, that, or does improv, right? Yeah. Like, if you like improv, you're going to like sandboxes. If you like scripting your shit out ahead of time, this may be your worst nightmare. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about for players then, Brett. Uh, so I mean, we've said this word about a thousand times tonight: agency. Right. In sandbox, you have ultimate agency over what your characters do. The DM's not forcing you to go down a road. Yeah. Uh, but con, uh, I mentioned it again before, and we'll come up again. Uh, analysis paralysis players. When you have a choice to go a thousand ways, how do you pick just one and not worry about it being the wrong one? Right. Yep. If you feel like there's an overarching story, you don't want to make the wrong choice and end up taking four months down the wrong path if you're not going to. Well, and I would say that one of the things one of the things people lose sight of is you can't freaking win D&D. No. If you can't win, that means there's no right way to do it. And if there's no right way, then there obviously isn't a wrong way to do it. And again, we're talking broad strokes. There's definitely don't go up and tickle the freaking hill giant scrotum. That is the wrong way to get through this freaking encounter. Is it? Um, this encounter, yes. Come talk to me after the podcast. But um, oh, the, the Zevia went up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. That is intensely painful. <laughs> I take a step. You say Hill Giant Scrotum, and I'm just like done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> All right. So, but but the the point is that 
if there's no wrong way to do it, we shouldn't be feeling that paralysis. Of course we will. People will have anxiety. Um, D&D players are not known for being the most overly sociable and confident people in the world. I think that tone is changing a bit. It, is. Uh, it, it very is. much is. However, I just want... History. Yeah, I don't want people to say, or to sit at home and hear me say, um, don't worry about it, it'll be fine, when mm. they've got their own demons to sort through. Absolutely. But, is real. but really, don't worry, it will be fine. Yeah. All right. Whatever your choice is, that is the right choice, and this is where we talk about trust. Right. So um, the DM, and this is where the trust for the DM goes, is the DM just needs to say yes, okay, and yes, then roll and. with it. Yeah. So, yes, and. Yep. Um, uh, for me, the pros and cons. Were you done for players, Brad? Yes, okay. I'm done. Um, for me, the pros and cons. Uh, the pros are uh, for players specifically. Very very quickly is this is your time to multi-class. This is your time to start digging for that. Uh, you want one of the named weapons that are in the Dungeon Master's Guide. You want to be able to do 9d20 damage in a single hit, which doesn't freaking exist anywhere, but you want overpowered weapons. You want to be able to get into epic levels beyond level 20. You want to be able to have crazy time travel bullshit backstories. The sandboxes are how you do it. Right, it really blows the lid off of all of the uh, limitations. Um, but then uh, the con for that too is that you, there is no definitive story. When you turn around and say, "Hey, look at this story arc that we did. We didn't defeat the vampire Strahd. We didn't go to the tomb of annihilation. We didn't fix the ordinary. We ran over a whole bunch of kobolds over that, and then I got married to a." freaking plant and then over there we ended up and it's just it's random tales of bullshit yeah right and so while you might remember the character you won't remember the story so i find that railroads are story based and plot based sandbox is character based right and those are the stories that we're going to tell in 5 10 15 years when we look back on our awesome characters well that's like yeah. a skyrim is an example right sandbox game i couldn't tell you the story i've played that game plenty of times i know the general story i don't Play I, Sky I feel that way about, about all the Grand Theft Autos. I couldn't yeah, tell you. What I don't care on. about the story either. I just no. want to get out and explore and yeah. steal some cars. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Uh, pros and cons for players. Um, uh, we've we've already hit it. Like as a pro, you're you get to as a player, you get a lot more narrative control. You get to be the hero. You get to take over the story. As a con, analysis paralysis is a thing, ladies and gentlemen. And if you have trouble with that you're not going to have a good time in a sandbox campaign without having a lot of discussions with your dm and a lot of discussions with the other players around the table throughout the week between sessions um i find that having midweek content as someone who does not handle analysis paralysis well at all um, i found having something like midweek content was a huge boon to to uh me as a player where i could be like okay Let's sit down and type out these 10 things that I have going on and I could get clues on all 10 of them. And then I could progress the story through all 10 of these things at a time. I gotta say, you know, I'm gonna throw your props on this. For someone with analysis paralysis who is used to playing really, really railroady yep. mechanics heavy strategy games, you then went with a gnome investigator with a drug habit uh, and the most complex backstory that I've ever heard. And you dove in the, the both feet and I watched you flail for like 10 months trying to get your bearings. And it was one, it's was it been one of the most rewarding experiences. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like this character. In fact, 
the little peek behind the curtain. You and I have been talking about some sort of weird thing we're going to do, possibly with the podcast. With a finger? With- no. So, oh. Is this love at the table between the two of you without Terry here to drive the wedge? Kind of. No, no, no. This is, this is, there is some mutual respect here. I mean, I still hate him. Um, As well you should, you son of a bitch. Well, but I'm, it's, it's like I'm a... sorry it's, I said anything. Uh, at some point, <laughs> I didn't realize I would be the wedge. My, my relationship <laughs> with Adam is familial, right? Like, I'm stuck with him. You say familiar, cat. I thought you were his familiar. Yeah, he's my pet cat. Yeah, yeah, and, and he is, he's the... He's, the wart under my foot. So, uh, the, I've just, oh no, I'm just stuck with him. Talks to me occasionally. Tells me to burn things. Anyways, so what I've, it's not the wart on his foot. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like what I, I really liked, uh, having Lockie and we've talked about like, he's got this really rich backstory, rich, everything else. Why not sit down and, Flesh some of that out. Yeah. And let's get into it. And I think it would be a load of fun to do. I just wanted to give you props on that because it's, you talk about analysis paralysis and you talk about how you don't like to do prep and you talk about how and you say a lot of things that I know to be true that you yourself have railed against. And for any experienced players out there, anyone, even if you've, if you've been playing for a year to go, you know, I got more experience than anyone else at the table. You can never stop learning and growing in no. and push your boundaries. For role-playing, push your boundaries for investigation and exploration. If if you find that you're sitting there and you've grown complacent and you've made your 15th, uh, uh, what's his, the bun-bun? What's the name of the call? Pun-pun. Pun-pun. You've made your 15th pun-pun. Like, um, do you know what a pun-pun is? I have no clue what you're going to Oh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, But if you hit that point, you yourself have to realize what you haven't done. The reason why I rolled a gnome investigator is because I hate playing fighters and rogues. I do not like playing either of those classes, really. Um, and I was like, okay, so let's play a gnome, a rock gnome, sure. Uh, investigator, because that's a rogue subclass, and uh, a battle master fighter. Let's let's cram these things together and see what I get. Right? And it worked out, right? It worked out, yeah. And that was because of the freedom that the sandbox gave you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, finally, uh, what, tax, what tactics do you use to say loose and easy? So let's say I don't have a lot of experience, like I've said. So tactics, I don't have any. But I have some questions. Sure, some yeah, all right. So I would assume that in a sandbox, prep is key. At least knowing, no, I'm not talking about down to minutia, but you should know your world. You should know what's going on in this region, this region, this region, this region. Yep. In some loose form. Yep. Um, you should have intimate knowledge of what is in a 15-mile radius of your players at any given point. Absolutely. If they go left, right, somewhere in the middle, it, you need to know what's going to well, be Well, it's funny. When I, do, when I do sandbox, though, what I do is, is I will look at um, what ge- geographical uh, condition. Are we forest? Are we swamp? Yep. Are we, like, what's the climate? What's the geography look like in that direction? And then eventually, there's a road here. The road's got to go somewhere. And then I start rolling random encounters until something interesting happens. So, I don't know when a town is coming. I guess in, I could even say last time, last session we had with the clear-cut guys, they ended up in the forest. I expected them to follow the path. They didn't. What a surprise. Yep. And I had to do exactly that, random encounters. I at least had, before the session, looked at, well, at least what exists in a forest and what would I want in this forest. That's, a, that's about where my prep and That's ends, about it. That's all I had. Is I do random tables. When I'm doing pure sandbox... You guys, I don't know which river you're going to take, but you're going to take a river, and I know we're doing river travel for a while. I just know what what exists on the rivers and what the difference between this river and that river is. Yeah. What's the difference between going left or right? 
And that's it. That's all I got. That's all I need, right? So I don't need to know what little settlements, what boats you're going to run across, who's out fishing at any given... I don't even know that shit, right? I will roll that in a random counter table, include all of those as potential options, let you guys roll it. I don't roll my own random accounts. I let the players do it, mm. right? But I control the table, right? So they control the dice, I control the table, and we all discover together. And now I'm acting in the moment. I react. I find myself doing voices more often. Mm. Um when I'm doing this because I'm trying to figure out who the fuck is this who guy? is this guy <laughs> right while everyone else you is like who is this guy yeah right so that's a lot of fun for me yeah. and a lot of the, the memorable NPCs and stuff that we've run into have been out of Rizkin was a freaking random encounter mm -hmm. he was a freaking satyr that was uh, the horniest satyr in the world but uh, he, horny um, literally what you're thinking yes he had a Big statue on no he had he had a statue of his uh, satyr wife the that most was, well endowed, like that out was of, all boot. It was all. It was boot. just all boot. like a body pillow. It was stone statue, like oh, twelve feet tall, yeah. Yeah. and the stone was stained. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know, let's go. But but you, I don't like this question. But but, <laughs> but I didn't know that that this guy existed. I had no idea this was coming. They ran that random encounter, um, and uh, I knew that there was going to be a cod. I didn't know who was in it, right? And I had a tabaxi mini, and I'm like, oh, here we are. We're going to use a tabaxi. It's going to be a fat little little cat person. And then I'm like, I don't know who the cat person is. It's something else that I don't know. And because it was sandboxed, we were able to run it, right? And it, it was something new and interesting. So do you have any other questions? Plenty, but we'd be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a tactic that I use to stay loose and easy is uh, media. I go to media, mm. and that's just it. What was the last show that I watched, mm -hmm. right? And and can we run into that? Recess? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what I will do is if I uh, uh, if I have a sandbox campaign and the players have given me uh, backstories, I will figure out whose backstory point we haven't hit the most recently, and I will hit that point now, right? And and that if if I feel like I'm spinning my tires and we're kind of aimless, I will bring that in as an aim, and then the other thing that I absolutely love doing is just uh, using a I don't know Cobalt's attack. You guys are going to defeat them. You're all level eight, and there's seven kobolds, but they come out of nowhere. It's an imbalanced thing. You're all rolling initiative and doing math. This is easy for me. I know they got a plus four to their attack, and they got a plus two dex for their dex saves for the fireballs and shit. I'm not, and I'm doing basic math while I'm going. Okay, after the kobolds, there's going to be an upturned caravan over there with a wagon wheel that's missing because of it, and I'm spitballing them. I, so I will actually use random encounters to stall. Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, but let's stop stalling and let's do, a, let's have a conversation, Dan, about um, the giveaway. Yeah, so uh, if you've been listening to the last couple podcast episodes, which you should have been, and if you haven't, go back and listen. Uh, you will have heard that we are doing a giveaway uh, right now uh, through It's Mimic. We are um, asking you as listeners to send us a message either on the It's a Mimic Facebook page uh, as a private message to the It's a Mimic Facebook page or send us a message on the It's a Mimic Instagram page to uh, tell us what... No love for Twitter? Hmm? No love for Twitter? Uh, Twitter is old and no one likes it anyways. Uh, and but well, Facebook we... apparently is up and running. <laughs> uh, you don't have enough characters to tell us on Twitter anyway. No. Um, so what we are asking for you, the listener, to do is uh, to enter into this giveaway, um, is to uh, uh, tell us what you think we are in terms of a class and race build. And a background. And a background, right? So uh, build 
Adam, Dan, and Terry. Bonus points if you build Brad after this uh, short little stint, but... Uh, it'll be a tiebreaker at best. It'll be a tiebreaker at best. Um, you don't have a lot to go on. No, no. Um, so, this giveaway, we, we, we're getting a bunch of prizes all together. Some of it's going to be things like, uh, we've got some branded t-shirts. I'm going to open I'm, this No, 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 no. they got to pay premium money for our freaking... We're going to fight about this. You may yeah. or may not get a t-shirt. Well, we will announce shortly. Uh, September 1st, the contest ends. Yes, yeah. So get in your responses before September 1st, um, where we will then record a special little episode of us picking the winner and... Uh, Arguing about who had the best answer. Who had the best answer and uh, why why Terry isn't, in fact, a tiefling dominatrix. But he might be. But he, he might be. be. He looks like it. Uh, if anything, he sounds like it. Uh, and we are already getting off topic. I want to do a shout-out now, because um, that was fucking horrifying. I want to do a shout-out to uh, Quest Chests. This is on Instagram. Quest Chests, this is all one uh, one word. Quest Chests. There are three times I've said it. I hope it's like Beetlejuice. Um, and uh, <laughs> Brad, stop looking around. Um, but they are consistently, this page is consistently giving new ideas um, where they, they make a post where uh, they pitch a, a new idea that they've created. It's all homebrew material. They have encounter hooks and campaign hooks and adventure hooks. They have different kinds of traps. They have different kinds of NPCs, magical weapons, new spells. They've got ideas for villains and trinkets and all sorts of stuff. Anything that you could want to, to kind of get a, a breath of fresh air, something that didn't come out of your head that you're looking for inspiration, go check them out on Instagram. They're at... Quest Chests, that's all one word, and they're absolutely phenomenal, 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 derailed, so, um, uh, but it's all, it's all free, and it's available there, right, and they've got a Kickstarter, um, I think it's still live right now, um, but they are doing fantastic, brand new, free content, all of the time, it's really meant for Dungeon Masters to, to give them a, a more breadth um, in kind of their repertoire. Especially if your players are used to everything that's in the book or used to your style as a DM. Absolutely. So you're going to be able to mix things up quite a bit. Again, um, I just, I think they're fantastic. And they, they are posting I, I freaking oh. daily, right? Like there's so much stuff. They've got over 600 posts right now. So um, there's all sorts of fantastic things to go in there and, uh, and explore I have burned hours at a time just kind of digging around their archives. Um, and I, uh, I suggest that the rest of you, if you, have, if you aren't following them already, and you might be because they've got 21,000 followers, but uh, if you haven't followed them yet, uh, definitely give them, uh, give them 20 minutes of your time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, if Dan will spend 20 minutes sitting on a toilet going through quest chests, you can, you can spend that as well. That's what he calls this toilet. The quest chest? <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> Behold my porcelain treasure. <laughs> he gets up and looks down and goes, it's a mimic. <laughs> That'd be a terrifying mimic. <laughs> the toilet mimic? I, 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 I had a friend say, okay, you guys really want to mess with your party? House mimic? No, 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 no. Well, yes, house mimic. Very Outhouse much. Mimic. It's happened. Outhouse mimic also happened. Um, no, don't make the chest the mimic. Make the contents of the chest the mimic. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about, guys, fun houses and one-shots. Okay? Let's roll initiative again, and we'll go around. 
What's that funhouse, Adam? We'll get into that if you want to roll inside the box. Hey! Oh, he tried! Oh, uh, he tried. tried! Well, that's um, a 19 for me. I got a freaking 11. So, a, fun, a funhouse is random shit for the sake of random shit. It's wacky nonsense. Go listen to our Wizard Tower episode. It's the one that's super long. Uh, back and from full of a bunch of random shit. Yeah, and it was really, we were trying to surprise each other. Um, me and Dan and Terry, we all, we all took a turn. And it was a lot of fun, because we had no idea what was around the next corner, right? It was a fun house. It was a fun house. But, uh, so fun houses are um, kind of just full of random encounters, but that the DM is prepped ahead of time. Um, one shots are literally what they sound like. You are playing D&D for this one session. The story ends by the end of the session. And that's it. So, um, Brad, you went first. Tell me, how do you feel about fun houses? I... I was saying to you guys beforehand, the only experience I have with Funhouse is listening to that one episode in the Mage Tower. I have that zero... Is, that you think of. That I think of. Yeah, I have well, definitely... There have been uh, sessions of the uh, Clear Cut group where I'm just all like, I want to do fun stuff today, so you have the fire kobolds. Sure. And, oh, there's this uh, etched skeleton. But within, yeah, within a campaign, though, would you still define it as just a funhouse? Uh, Especially if it had a purpose. Well, well, what I would do is I would have a session or two within a grander campaign that is a funhouse. But it wouldn't be a part of the campaign? It would be a part of the campaign. You would walk into a wizard's tower that defies planes, right? And and defies logic. and, And some twisted mage has turn this like the entirety of Undermountain is a fun house right it is and there's a prize at the end there's a reason to go there um but the wonderful thing about fun houses is that they don't have a reason the moment that you turn around a retcon a reason onto it right oh the wizard went insane because his long lost love and that's why there was a succubus trap for that. yeah okay great there's not a fun house anymore you made a dungeon yeah. right so a fun house dungeon is random wacky shit for the sake of random wacky. All right, so give me give me your elevator pitches. Difference between a fun house, a dungeon versus just a standard one shot. Well, a standard one shot is just a mini campaign, right? The the a dungeon is um, any series of rooms, usually subterranean, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a freaking tower. It can be a castle. It can be whatever. Where you go from room to room, solving whatever the issue is, and when you're done solving it, you leave the area. Right? And a fun house is wacky shit for the sake of wacky shit. A fun house, the Feywild is a fun house. Well, okay, so so you and I know the theme would, or fun, fun house to dungeon would be mostly thematic. Dungeon would have some sort of theme or purpose, whereas no. a fun house does not. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's no theme to a fun house. And Dan's like, no, there is a theme to it. And if that's the case, then you have a dungeon. Well, no, no, no. I say, like, if you have an end goal to a dungeon, like, you have to get to the 10th level of this dungeon. And then. Your goal is to get to the 10th level and everything you experience in between is wacky random bullshit. That is still a fun house. It is. Right. Because the, the end thing, while, while there is definitely a reason to go through, the end prize or goal or whatever has nothing to do with the shit in the meantime. And yeah, that, that's what I was trying to say earlier before you so rudely interrupted me like always. Uh, so you have um, fun wacky bullshit in the, in the middle. Yeah. Is this the it's on bitch face? Oh yeah. Okay. You thought this episode was running long? I'm screwing you now, man. <laughs> no, like you have if you have that goal in the bottom, like with random shit in the middle, you're still running a fun house. Uh, I I'd say a dungeon has to make thematic sense. It does. If you are going in there to 
to pay homage to the fallen knights at the end of the whatever it is. And everything you're running into is undead. And and you go to their skeletons and it's a giant mausoleum or whatever. That's a theme. You're in a dungeon, right? So um, dungeons aren't traditional like torture chamber jails. In, they don't have to have a dragon at the end, no, despite the name. Yeah, a, a, a dungeon is any systematic ordered uh, crawl through something. Yeah, and honestly, think outside the box in this too. A dungeon can be moving through a freaking canyon from one one cavern to another. You just can't get out, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't have to be underground. It can be through a, a series of floating islands, right? Like it can be whatever you want it to be. So, um, Dan... How do you feel about funhouses? Um, I I like them, but I like them at like magnesium strips. They gotta be short, intense bursts, and then we don't see them again for a while. Like they are a fun thing to throw in a campaign if the DM just needs to have a break from the story or something. I would definitely throw one uh, after an intense uh, turn in the story. Like if the if the party's had a really intense turn in the story and are on this bit of a lull between campaign arcs, throw a funhouse at them, just so that they could go and experience weird shit, and experience weird spells, and, and experience um, weird creatures and whatnot, before you get them back on the arc, right? So if you're doing a dragon arc, and they just killed the blue, and they gotta go kill the red, throw a funhouse in there before they start climbing the mountain, right? I'm with you 100%. That's how I feel about them too. These need to be a breath of fresh air. Yeah. They are uh, something to break up the monotony of D&D for... 20 freaking levels in a row. Yeah. You've been playing the same campaign for three years. You know, you're on level 17. It is time to do a funhouse. And I will use one-shots for this, too. Look, everybody, chill out. We're going to do crazy funhouse. Everybody roll up a level 5 character. We're going to do a crazy funhouse for the next two weeks. I was going to say, like, it would be a real kick in the nest to have your player killed in a funhouse in something totally random. Yeah. 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 And this is where you run the danger of... Uh, Taking your uh, over unbalancing your funhouse, which we'll talk to in a, uh, about in a minute, unbalancing your uh, funhouse, and then having to come up with some weird DM bullshits to make sure that your player didn't just die meaninglessly. Uh, and one of the things that I just want to bring up right now, you may people may argue with this: Tomb of Horrors, that's a funhouse dungeon. Yes, it's all tied together thematically, but there's shit in there like gender swap and teleport into collapsing room, which make no fucking sense. That is wacky shit for the sake of wacky shit. Yeah. Right? And that's the Tomb of Horrors. It's the most famous Funhouse dungeon, and it's deadly. That's why I never include it in the, in the recommendation to run it out of the Tales of the Yawning Portal. It sucks to get to level 14 and then die because, I don't know, poison shit? You stuck your head into the hole and see what's in it, and the hole was a sphere of annihilation? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not fun for me, right? So, anyway, how did, um, Brad, how do you feel about uh, one-shots? Uh, do have you ever built one? I have not built one. I have run one. I yeah. pulled one off the DM's Guild uh, to play for my family over Christmas. It was Christmas That's themed. Fun. It was That's Santa Claus themed. My family had never played D and D or any RPG. Did you before. pre-gen the characters for them? No, actually, we uh, about a month before I sat down with them because they wanted to roll their own, and so I I put them in line. I made sure there were limits on what they could make. But I let them roll up their own characters. and So let's play this game, but first let's do three hours of math. They wanted to. That's weird. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're an engineer, right? Like, Well, yeah, but even for them, like my family isn't all like that. No. But like even my wife wanted to, they wanted to have that agency to create this, per- like it's a storytelling yeah, question. Yeah, that, that's really fun. I just saw a post on Reddit not long ago where a DM sat down and pitched it to all of his friends, but he grabbed um, famous Disney characters. 
and, oh, and, great. and rebuilt them with the classes and the races and stuff. How good Ariel was a Triton and like shit like this, right? All the way through. Pre-gened it all and said, which Disney character do you want to be? For, for the cool. one shot as an intro into this. So you already know the backstory, you already know uh, the attitude and the physicality and everything. Mm -hmm. and I thought it was a really fun way of doing it. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But so you just downloaded one and ran it off the I yeah, I'm gave a read through, make sure I knew what was going on and ran it and they had a great time. They wanted to play. How again. long was it? Uh we were about four hours. It was a long it was yeah, longer most, than I wanted. Most one shots should really run between four and five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say yeah, three to six even. I'd expand that a little bit depending on what you're up to. Yeah. And who the players are and what their experience level experience, is. Yeah. Well and just their patience. Yeah. You know your players. Dan, how do you build one shots? Um I, I love one shots, but I also I, I love one shots to mean something. So if for whatever reason, I've got a group of a different group of players with like one or two from my regular campaign, or um, I've got uh, the players just want a break for whatever reason, or we get together on a random night in the week for whatever reason. I like to throw them at a uh, one shot, be like, "Okay, guys, we can meet on Tuesday this week somehow. We the stars have aligned for us to all be available on a separate night of this week." Yeah, what? So uh, come to the session with a pre-built level four character. Um, we're going to run a, uh, a one-shot, and then I will plan it as a, a small little bucket adventure that happens in a town hundreds of miles from where the current group actually is, and I'll mess with time, like they're either a month before or a month after, um, and I will put them there, they will run their thing, and what they do affects the main campaign, and I love that. Right, and and I and and if you have a couple players who are part of your regular campaign, who just need a break from the character, like again, you could do this along the same line as Funhouse, where you've just finished a campaign arc. Okay, we're gonna run a, a two shot as these other characters on the other side of the world, just to give you guys a moment before we go back. Right, just as a breather, as as some at levity in the campaign. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, and, and and that's what I do, and I would plan it with. Three to six hours in mind, right? And and that is all going to be that's all going to be dependent on how many players, what their experience level is, what time it is, like all that other stuff, right? Whether or not you pre-build characters. Okay, yeah, yeah no, I, I like that answer. Um, I do the same thing. You've noticed, Dan, that when I do a one shot, it takes place in the same world. Mm -hmm. I look at a part of the map and go, "Oh, we've never been there. We're never going there. Let's do this one shot here, and kind of flesh out that side of the map." So that at the end of the campaign, the players can say, oh, that was cool. We were over there at that time. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And it'll often have some amount of impact where they'll hear a story. But they'll bump into one of their one-shot players as an NPC later. Right? So I think that's that's a lot of fun. I mean, with players' permission, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way that I build a one-shot, and uh, I don't know if you're going to – if this is going to pull the, um, the veil off for you, Dan. But I do a one-two-three system. One role play, two exploration, three combats. Hmm. And then – if I want another one, I will bump up the role play, and then I will. I would, so that I have two role plays, so it's a two-two-three, and then uh, if I want another, it'll be another exploration. That's genius. Yeah. And so I, I go. So it's a one-two-three, two-two-three, two-three-three, two-three-four, and I just and I extend it out, and then uh, I look at what the last one should be. It's usually a combat. Yeah. Right when we wrap it up, although it might be an exploration be as you're running away or role play, or it could be it's rarely role play tends to start you on your quest. Yeah. It rarely finishes you off. So on a one, two, three, 
I, I'll go role play, just one, yeah. and then um, combat, exploration, combat, exploration, combat, and I'm done. Yeah. Right? So, um, and that's how I will run my session. Not even just the dungeon, but the session. Mm. Um, and so that lets me kind of control it. Then I know what the final boss is, whatever it is. It's, it's a combat, and that's, um, I know where I'm, where I'm going to end it. If we're going longer, I usually have seven of each thing prepped. Which one am I going to grab next? Right. right. So, um, and that's why... How I do it. What? Um, let's talk real quick, Brad. What are the player tactics? What are tactics a player should use in a funhouse? Uh, I feel like a funhouse should be fun. It's right in the name. Right. right but what tactics but, do you use when you're playing in it? What are you thinking? How is it different from a regular campaign? So I've never played one, but I, if I got the chance to, I would definitely be testing out a new character for one. Something that I wanted to try. Some, maybe it's something powerful that I want to try. Maybe it's just something fun that I want to see if it'll actually work. Test the synergy, and then going in. The tactic is just to test out each mechanic, right? If we're doing a level five, I want to see, okay, at level five, can I work out? Uh, yeah, okay, but it's a, it's a one-shot funhouse. If, yeah. If a funhouse appears in the middle of your campaign. In the middle of the campaign, cool is not to die. Like I said earlier, it'd be a real kick in the nuts to lose a player to a funhouse. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, as a player in a funhouse, I'd always chase really cool. Like, this is your excuse to be weird. Mm -hmm. um, this is when your wizard is going to try parkour for the first time and see what happens. Yeah. Right. Like, like just, just be weird. Be like funky with it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, fun houses by their nature are, like you said, are supposed to be fun. So this is when you can test out maybe some things that you haven't experienced with your, um, character before, or even, um, some kinds of attacks that you haven't tested out before or, or just mannerisms like fun houses could be nothing but if you're a player in a fun house try my challenge to you is if your dm's just running a fun house it's supposed to be a fun little thing for your player try to add character development in there somehow right try to find the one thing about that fun house that your character is going to take with him and it's going to wear as a badge mm. for the rest of the campaign and it could just yeah. simply be that your edgelord ridiculous rogue character you've been playing that nobody really likes Finally decides to come out of a shell and befriend the freaking bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your edge lord cracks a joke and everyone has to stop for a minute and be like, "Oh, did he just make a joke?" Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, and yeah. so you add add your own weight to it. I love that. That's, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. For me, with player tactics, I'm going to talk strategy for a moment. Um, DMs are dumb. We always talk about how players are dumb, but DMs are dumb too. We all know that the last room is a boss battle. It's harder than the previous room. Every room gets harder than the one before it. Save your spell slots. Save your spell slots. A fun house dungeon. You don't know what's coming next. And if you have the ability to change up your spells, because you judge your level and you know you're heading into a fun house, or you are one of the classes that lets you, uh, lets you choose with a long rest, please, for the love of God, think utility. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's going to be doing what Dan said and go balls to the wall, hitting shit with the biggest weapon they have. Hey guys, there's a there's a single goblin, maximized fireball. Exactly. Yeah, no. Right. Um, so this is where your arcane tricksters, where your bards, your um, fun houses. A lot of times, are, oh, the gravity is reversed. This is where I'm wanting my feather fall and shit because you don't know when you're going to be in an elevator that drops. Yeah. Right. This is when you want those utility, those exploration type. Yeah. Uh, spells. So that's what I'm thinking. Also, burn through all of your items. Yes. Burn, yeah, burn through your items before you burn through your spell slots. Because you will get more items when you're done. Yeah. Right? That's just... Fun houses tend to have rewards yeah. at the end. As a DM, you... Yeah. Your players get through it, give them back whatever they lost. So what, what, what are your player tactics for, for a one-shot, Brad? 
So I guess I kind of covered that because I read out of order. Uh, but yeah, I would be. I want to try something new on a one shot. And tactics are basically try the wildest things you can. If you, especially if you are going into it with a couple friends, see if you can get some uh, synergy between your characters. Try and build a couple of characters that really will be able to work together. Just try out some fun stuff. Do yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally into it. Dan, what, what are you doing to one-shots? Um, I am doing something that I know I will not be able to handle for a full campaign. Mm. And thus, I could do this for, for a single session. Like, you and I have talked about, like, do we run a one-shot one sometime in the summer while we're waiting for the fall to come to start back up with our regular campaign? And I'm like, if we do, I have in the wings this gallant night that I am not going to be able to do the what's ho for an entire serious campaign. I will be but able to do a bar that goes what ho. What? <laughs> I'll be the gardener who says what ho. <laughs> That's a druid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank enough. you. Um, but like, I've got this character in the wings. Like, I want to play this no, this, this brave, this like stereotypical brave knight. Like, I, I want to play lawful stupid a little bit. With oh, him. you want to play one of Terry's knights then? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I know I can't do that for an entire campaign because I will get bored and frustrated with this character. Terry Crews. I would make a Terry Crews character. Yeah, just a guy who walks into a tavern and chest pops. Right, just all for his own strength. That's yeah, it. yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, like that, 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 that is my entire train of thought when I'm approaching one one shot. It's what am I going to get sick of for a long campaign? Let's play it here, right? And that can even be a um, a single mechanic that I really want to try out. Um, if if I've been playing a fighter for a long time and I really want to do some spell casting, all right, well, I'm gonna make a sorcerer this time, guys, right? Like it, and and it's just because I want to experience this before I get back to hitting things with the pointy end. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I would focus on in a one shot is a min max. Mm. Right. That's the oh, thing yeah. more than anything else. And I mean, Dan, you can bring it up because you min max all the time on everything because you're power gamer. Yeah. However, I don't. I like. I don't know enough to power game. Um. Yeah. Neither does Dan. He just likes to do it anyway. So. Um, Google <laughs> min max ranger. <laughs> <laughs> it's just min for a range. Yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, it's I, not the way it used to be. Uh, um, I would definitely focus on one of the game mechanics that like you said, Dan, that I don't know that well that are different from everything else. Key points, sorcery points, um, mm. eldritch uh, invocations. These are things I'm not seeing a whole lot of in my own game right now. And so I want to see how's this mechanic work and how am I going to play it and how can I min max the shit out of it. So I will just spend a week retooling this character over and over and over and over and over again until I find the right spells or the right abilities or whatever it is to to uh, to make this a single rewarding experience. And I hope they live. But again, I'm probably going to be a little bit kamikaze. We had a one-shot. Yeah, you know, who cares if they die? Yeah, and that, that's just it. Going out in a blaze of glory, perfect for a one-shot. Yeah. Um, not perfect for a funhouse. No. Um, so, guys, that has been Railroads, Sandboxes, Funhouses, and One-Shots. Do we have any final thoughts about this before we wrap up this episode? Honestly, guys, uh, everyone goes, well, I like to run uh, Railhouse. Uh, Railhouse? Railhouse. I, I, I like to uh, run... Like horror flick. <laughs> no, those Grindhouse. Grindhouse. Um, I, 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 I like to run railroads. I like to run sandboxes. Run both. Have aspects of both in your campaigns. Have the occasional funhouse add levity. Add the occasional one-shot to add character and depth to your world. Do these, like, if you can run all of these quite well, you'll have a wonderful, in-depth, character-driven, 
uh, story-driven campaign that everyone will be so rewarded with and can be talking about for years to come, right? Like, uh, the best campaigns you, you hear are the ones that uh, are character-driven, but where intense things are happening in the story, and occasionally we did the weird shit. Yeah. Right? We went to pandemonium, pandemonium that one time. Sure. Like, we found the Necrocomicon. We found the Necronomicon <laughs> next to the... Next to the... What was it? Uh, Ledger Le- 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 Yeah. Fuck. God damn it, Terry. His wife fired. Anyway, so... Um, look, I, I'm with you 100%. My, my big hint for everybody, um, the way that I do it, is I put long expanses of wilderness in between cities or settlements or places of interest, dungeons, whatever it is. I railroad the point on the map and the travel time is sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know where yeah. you're supposed to get, but you get there in your own time. If you go off the road, if you turn around and go in the wrong direction, it gets harder. Yeah. Right? But um, the dungeon or whatever it is is going to be railroaded uh, your way through. Or even if it's in a city. Right? Yeah. I will try to railroad that with a handful of pre-planned NPCs. Doesn't always work. Sometimes you'll end up in water deep, and it'll be madness and it's sandboxy and the rogue wants to go drink for, you know, three days and let's go on a bender. Yeah, and the barbarian is trying to bang everything that moves, right? Like, whatever it is, you can't necessarily control it, but on the smaller ones, you you can. So, um, Brad, do you have any final thoughts? Just like Dan said, I don't think any campaign even is one or the other. I think just by the nature of D&D, if you try to stick to one, it's going to end badly. Yeah, I, I agree. And the longer the campaign goes, the more variety you're going to get, right? You can railroad, like, for example, if you start with Mines of Fandelver, you're going to railroad, but once you reach out of that, what happens? You're probably not going to go straight into another campaign. You're probably going to want to explore a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, this has been episode 30 where we talked about uh, campaigning for success. Hey! Which is just the worst title I've ever come up with so far. However, um, uh, I'm Adam. You can reach me at Rusty Styrofoam on Instagram. Uh, you can reach Dan at... Uh, at Oscar the Orc uh, underscores in case. The worst. Brad, where can we find you? I am at the Clueless Game Master on Instagram. and that all on, one word? All one word. Clueless Game Master. And you can reach uh, any of us um, at, uh, at It's a Mimic. Yeah. Uh, and you can reach Terry uh, at Send Noobs D and D. But why would you want to? Exactly. Um, you can also get a hold of us. Um, our email address is info at itsmimic.com. Check out the website. We got T-shirts that are up and running now. Uh, and we got a few. Did you know that we got our first donation? Somebody just plugged five bucks in for nothing on, oh. on our page, and yeah. I was sitting there looking at it going, well, holy shit, I'm $5 richer. I didn't even know that was an option. No, and I, I divided it by three, and I got sad. <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> sorry, other people behind the scenes of the podcast. <laughs> so if you donate anything, make it divisible by three. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Sorry, I, other people behind the scenes of the podcast. So, but anyway, um, you can reach out and get a hold of us. Uh, and do let us know about the giveaway. Again, that's race, class, and uh, background. background. And uh, we're really looking forward to releasing a couple more specials in the nearby future. Uh, so let us know um, maybe what you want to hear for some of these specials as well. Because uh, honestly, if you don't, it's just going to be whatever crazy bullshit I come up with. Or me. 
I've tossed my hat in the ring a couple times. And it always gets downvoted. Terry it, and I it really does. You guys just never want to see me do We railroad you into doing what we want. Yeah. No. So, uh, anyways, uh, have a great week, and we will catch you next Tuesday uh, for another Dragon Mastery. I think we're on to Green Dragons next. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say real quick before we're all 100% done. Thank you, Brad, for uh, making the time to come on out. It's been a joy having you here. Um, and, Thanks for having uh, me. I'm not your DM anymore, so I can't threaten to kill you. So what I can do, or give you some sort of reward, uh, what I can do is, uh, as a guest, I've picked you up a lovely set of dice. You've actually been using the D20 the entire, on time. On the entire time. And so you went first the entire time. So uh, thank, thank you so playing. much for uh, coming and sitting in the guest chair. And uh, we look forward to having more guests, uh, having you back out again. We look forward to Terry not being here in the future. I look forward to someone finally replacing Adam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure having you here, man. It's been Thanks a pleasure so being here. Thank you. All right. Uh, yeah, and thank you again uh, from me as well. And thank you, Terry, for being busy doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, he's just busy this week. He'll be back. Streaking. <laughs> Probably his hair. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. All right, guys, really quick. Choose one. Just choose one. A railroad, a sandbox, a funhouse, or a one-shot. Pitch one idea. Let's roll initiative on it. I want to hear one, to raise one unique idea for for one of the things we talked about today. Ow, my leg. Sorry. My oh, leg. God. <laughs> I rolled, you had an 8. I had a 10. You got All 16. right, I'll go last. I, I got a 16. Yay, Adam finally wins. And the bonus. Did you, Did you drop the dice on the I ground? used your die. Yeah, I got to find it later. Um, all right, so I guess uh, the thing that I would talk about is a railroad. One of the things that I desperately, desperately want to do is a campaign long siege. Where you start off at level one, and the waves of monsters that are coming at the, the building, or at the this walled city, or this this I think a, a giant walled city is the best idea for this, with different rings like Minas Tirith was, mm -hmm. um, and they just keep throwing enemies at you. And at level one, you are evacuating NPCs to better places. That couple of low level monsters are getting through, and then as you go level two, level three, level four, you are getting more and more. Um, uh, difficult enemies. There are harder challenges. Parts of the cities uh, is is erupting in flames, and you've got to you've got to evacuate the orphanages on fire, or um, go get the the holy relics that were in the church that's now behind enemy lines, right? And so I think that you could run an entire siege, but that is a railroad. As much as you can go anywhere and do anything, you can't leave the city, and yeah. you are getting pushed back further and further, and they're looking to kill a certain number of, of souls to reap for whatever crazy bullshit I come up with, right? So you have to keep a certain percentage of the population alive at any given time. And at some point, you get into the underground tunnels and you're escaping to the old ancient part of the city that was buried under the mountain, the, whatever nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But this is the railroad that I would do. Cool. And you're That'd just pushing cool. hard at, at your players all the time. Yeah, definitely no room for sandbox really in that. Uh, you would have choices about which district are you going to. Yeah, but. you have three options. You have you know the merchant district or the the um, farmers district or the whatever it is. You go the the religious district. There are boons of doing each. There's punishments for not getting it. Yeah, right. And you are trying to 
rescue people, get objects, and uh, maybe sabotage bridges and shit too to slow down the enemies. Yeah, um, for sure. And you're leveling uh, on a regular, like clear basis. Mm -hmm. Every four sessions, you guys hit a level, yeah. right? And, which means that in four sessions, this shit gets yes, yes. harder, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. that's how I would do it. Brad, what do you got? Uh, I can't have. So we're peek behind the curtain. We're recording this in July. I just saw. How dare you? Yeah, I know. How, how dare you? Um, that's what happens when you're guesting. It's unpredictable. Um, but I just got out Never of watching Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, oh. And it just. How's told, Toby doing? Oh, Toby's doing great. Wrong, I didn't say what year. Wrong, yeah, wrong Spider-Man. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Andrew? Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but walk me out of that. Have you so inspired to run a Mysterio style? Is a spoiler fun alert house. for everybody else? No, no, no. Just in general, I mean, if you follow comics at all, Mysterio. He just had me inspired to do something. Uh, so all illusion based. All illusion based. And, and, Nothing and, is what it seems. You don't even know where you are. Yeah, you're you not sure how big space. the room is. That yeah, you're in and shit like you'll that. be running into walls. You'll be. I really like the new Spider Man movie. I thought, I, it, was I thought it was fantastic. But I don't want to spoil it. It's. It's Mysterio being Mysterio. It's fantastic. I think, yeah, I think for those of you who have not seen it by now, you probably don't care. Yeah. And if you have seen it, um, then, uh, then you know exactly what we're talking about. And if you do care and you haven't seen it, you're damn, and we hate you anyway. I'm busy. Sorry. Someone's so going to edit this shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, no, uh, so yeah, Mysterio themed Funhouse. Just nothing is as it appears. Everything cool. is illusion. And everything is a lie. Um, for me, I would I would do a... He'll uh, giant scrotum. <laughs> Just because Just yeah, okay, that sounds like a lot of fun, but no, the uh, I would do a, a sandbox funhouse in a way. Oh. Mix the two. What is that? Uh, like? But uh, I would have the rogue trickster, uh, trickster god has severed uh, the bonds that make the like the the bonds that we all take for granted in the world, and you as a party have to go from like area to area. That this trickster god has. What bonds are we talking about? We're talking leather straps. Or no, no, or... we're we're talking like gravity and magnetism, and the elements have gone haywire. Like magic, magic, itself. magic itself has. Uh, Everyone is just a wild magic sorcerer, or something, right? Like these these effects are happening everywhere. Um, I, I I would have this sandbox campaign of the party having to go from point to point, um, and all of these things are all happening all at the same time, and eventually they have to try to bring order back to this world as this tricks as this trickster god has caused some something like this and and the weirdest things are happening like uh, entire areas with reverse gravity on them that will just suddenly stop one day or whatnot like pull it out uh, I, I cows I, the size of mountains mountains the size of cows exactly um and i i i would definitely do it in such a way that uh the trickster god is 100 percent thoroughly evil i find a lot of times the trickster god is a bit of a jester just a chaotic boss. just a chaotic guy no no no, well, no, no, no. Joker. this this guy is He's kefka yeah it's kefka he just wants to see how the world reacts when everything is some people just want to watch the world burn yeah and that's all he's there to do and he is malevolent and intentional and absolutely off his rocker. And I would love to do that. Yeah, I think that... Do that almost with Dungeon of the Mad Mage, no? Uh, you can, but it's more of a microcosm, and, and there's not a lot of, uh, like, <laughs> trying to reestablish the bonds of reality, which is what the campaign is mm -hmm. built around, right? Yeah, I, I see Dungeon of the Mad Mage as more of a... You're going into his home. Yeah. He's not fucking up your home. Yeah. Right? So, whereas this, this is a trickster god that is deliberately fucking up your home, and you have to figure out why. 